Hello, welcome to Eat the Scroll, a podcast where we study the Bible while teaching people how to study the Bible so that they can read the Bible not just as information but as food for their soul. I'm Eric Miller. With me t- recording today are Matt Rao. Hey. Mark Russell. Hello. B. Dizzle, Brad Frakowski. Hey. And today we are looking at uh, Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 11, for sure, and possibly into verses uh, 12 through 16. Let me start by just reading verses 7 through 11 here. But whatever gain I had, Paul says, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain from the resurrection of the dead. So, Lord, help us as we study this together. Amen. Uh, what do you guys see we, uh, in this passage here? What's jumping out at you? Again, this is kind of a part two on this section. Um, actually, before you answer that question, let me just give some background. <laughs> is that we, we are coming out of these verses beforehand where Paul talks about uh, kind of his religious background as a Pharisee, as a Hebrew of Hebrews, and um, and even to the place of persecuting the church, he says, and he says he left all that behind uh, to now gain Christ. And here is a very beautiful portion of scripture regarding kind of the, uh, uh, I, I think really just the essence of what it means to be a disciple um, and to follow Christ here. But uh, what, what jumps out at you guys as we read that section? I think one thing he talks about right in well right at the beginning there um about this whatever gain i had which is everything he's he's just laid out and mentioned in the in the previous few verses but he says the reason for that is because of the surpassing worth of knowing christ jesus my lord um implication being i think like you can't have both in a sense i think it's he has to he sees it um the way he sees it is that he has to set all these things aside and lay them down so that he can so that he can know right jesus um and i think it's just i like it it's we've kind of walked through this and talked about again just this idea of self-righteousness this idea of um gaining for self stacking up measuring up comparing and everything um but the the I think very simple application would be those things will keep you from from knowing Christ, which I think he explains a little bit more in depth here. But but just that just that um, just that truth, just that reality. I think because I think a lot of times we the way we view those things, all of our own, you know, these things that we would trust in naturally, we think that those are the things that actually get us to God. Uh, those are the things that actually get us to Jesus, and it's actually completely flipped again the same way he's been flipping this whole thing upside down on the jews and this religiosity uh these works of the law trusting in that he he continues to do that and is saying those things that you actually believe would get you to christ are the very things that would keep you from him yeah and if you want to be set free from man-made religion and that really i really do mean that or want to use those words intentionally set free because um the 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 heavy language that Paul uses to describe 
what he's just described. And we talked about this on the last episode in terms of uh, um, watch out and look out for those dogs, those mutilators of the flesh, those evildoers. Um, in order to be set free from religiosity, you need to see the glory of Christ. The glory of Christ is is what uh, sets people free. And again, going back to Paul's testimony and in, in, his, his story of conversion in Acts chapter 9 is he literally met the glory of Christ on the Damascus Road in a manifest way that that set him free from all this stuff. I think about, um, you know, the little quick-hitting parable that Jesus told in, uh, I believe this is what is Matthew 13, says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Like Christ is the treasure that we leave everything else for um, in order to uh, in order to gain him. Um, and again, Paul, Paul here isn't like saying that he, I don't know, he, he's not trying to imply that he's, he's making some sort of great sacrifice in order to, or in, in giving these right, things yeah. up. He's saying it's yeah. the surpassing <laughs> worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. It's again, going back to that little parable in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has, um, and buys the field. It's like Christ is infinitely more valuable than anything that any man-made religious system could offer or any benefits of a man-made religious system could offer. Um, uh, Christ truly is uh, the treasure. And so, and I think if I could run with this for a little bit, I think even like, is forgiveness good? Yes. Is, is justification awesome? Yes. Is reconciliation amazing yes is the fact that we will go to heaven when we die glory is that awesome yes but dear brother and sister like though even those things themselves are not the treasure christ himself is the treasure and all those things are overflow um, out of knowing him and we've been called to something that is very real even in the here and now like like yes one day perfectly We'll be with him. Um, sin will no longer be an issue. It will be eradicated. Uh, but, but like even now, Christ is the treasure. And again, I know I sound like a broken record, but I think throughout the book of Philippians, if I had to pick one verse as kind of the, the thesis or theme of the book, it's to live is Christ. To live is Christ and to die is gain. To live is Christ. But other well, thoughts? That too, I, I think that idea is very... I don't know. I mean, I, I think we I think we fall into all the time separating separating Christ from his benefits. I think you'll hear it talked about it like that. I know yeah. we, we um recently with the interns went through a series uh by Sinclair Ferguson on union with Christ and he talks a lot about that, about how we often just we we get excited about and are thankful for things like what you laid out, you know, forgiveness, reconciliation, justification, all these things. And it's not that they're not massively important gifts that we should be thankful for hundred percent, but it is, it, it is to look at those things as ultimate when really the ultimate thing is Christ himself. And like you said, we, we get all of those because we, we first get Christ. And that's, um, you know, that's getting into a little bit more of a kind of, systematic theological conversation but you see it right here in the text where um he's saying i've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that i may gain christ and and then he says and be found in him and so it's it's again it's what the reason that he's willing to 
to do this and the and the real surpassing surpassing worth what he's getting it's it is jesus himself um it's the difference i think between like god and santa claus or something like we think about santa claus and nobody nobody cares about santa just to get santa right like it's only it's only we only care about him for what we think he's going to give us and christianity is much much different than that it's not that we don't get gifts in our relationship with god we do but but we're first getting a person um that that brings all of those things with him the nature of who christ is and the nature of our salvation and again that he is the treasure it just does not make any sense for christianity to just be this little side hustle like that like Christianity as a side hustle or just like something that you're going to add to your life to better it. Like if you, if you think about it at all that way, or you talk about it at all that way, um, you're just, you're missing the entire point. I mean, this language here, part of the, what I love about this passage is just, I don't know how centering I think it is for the way that we should talk as Christians. And, and I think that's just one of the things just by way of like just application, I think that I want us to think about, maybe talk about a little bit is who talks this way. And, I, and I'm not saying like, not like, I'm not even talking about Mr. Pharisee, Mr. Mutilator of the flesh, Mr. Evil doing I'm just talking about like the average American Christian, even us at Mercy Hill. Like, do we, do we even come close to talking this way? Like, is Paul just saying, is he just speaking some sort of like pie in the sky, nonsense that just to sound really good in this letter that he's writing from jail you know i I mean he i mean this idea of uh you know that i may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings becoming like him in his death that by any means possible i may attain from the attain the resurrection from the dead like Mm -hmm. i I mean yeah yeah, for we got to talk this way that's <laughs> and live yeah, this way. I don't know what else to say. Verse 10 was really <laughs> popping out at me. I know, you know, so the NIV says it a little bit differently. It says, I want to know Christ in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. And there's something there. I mean, I, you know, um, it, it is, it is, uh, there's a theology out there that says, well, I can have all the blessings of, of Christ that he suffered for me, which he did. But so I don't have to suffer. And actually, Paul is saying the reverse here. He's like, I, I want to actually share in his sufferings. I want to have fellowship with Christ that I will have to go through the same type of sufferings, obviously not to the full extent of what Christ did, but uh, even even becoming like him in his death. Um, yeah, absolutely. Who does talk that way? Well, um, you know, well, yeah. a lot of times we want the blessings of God rather than God himself. Well, and the logic here of it is, no, that, that's a really good point, Matt. But, but the logic here is that who Christ is, like what he did, he suffered. So if I'm going to know him, then I too want to suffer so that I can know him. And I love, I like that little phrase in the NIV too. I like that the fellowship of sharing in your suffering is there's, an, there's, a, there's a dynamic to knowing Christ because he suffered that as we follow him as his disciples, we're we're gonna we we're gonna know him in this relational way there's, that we don't apart from suffering. There's something about going through suffering with somebody, right? I mean, it's it's either gonna make or break your relationship. So, like you know, you know, some of the some of the the, the times that my wife and I have really 
um, deepened our relationship is when we've had to go through some hard things and it, it's actually strengthened our relationship. Um, you know, even, even at, at here at Mercy Hill, um, you know, and I think you could, you could attest to this, Eric, uh, you know, as leadership, um, there's been some hard things we've had to walk through. Yeah. And, and in, that, in that fellowship together, navigating those hard things, it actually has, has hardened our, our relationship. It's, it's actually not hardened, but it's, it's made it solidified, taken deeper, us deeper. deeper yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so there's something to that that, that it, it actually allows you to have a, a deeper relationship with Christ if you're yeah. going through similar sufferings that he has gone through himself. Who was the, uh, I want to say John Bunyan, I could be wrong on this, but it was one of those old school Puritan good guys has a quote that he said, you know, he, he, he keeps his finest wine in the cellar of affliction. Anybody know who that is? Bonus points. I don't, no, but okay. it's good. I like, yeah, but it, yeah, but that idea is like there's there's a sweetness, you know, the finest wine of fellowship with Christ is kept in the cellar of affliction, um, and uh, yeah, and he'll take us there as his disciples. And again, this attitude of Paul is like, it, I, again, I don't think that he like uh, necessarily just enjoyed suffering for suffering's sake, but he just didn't stop. He was pressing on and going going towards it it is a, it is a i'm always shocked by that like those types of statements and i still if i'm honest like it it's i have to stop and think like is this really what he's saying because i i don't know i've i mean i've heard it i've heard it preached from the pulpit even that you we, we should never desire suffering and on one hand i i get i get it on the other hand, I'm like, I'm just not 100% sure that's how the Bible talks. Like you hear, you hear, you you see it in James, you think you hear, you see Paul talk this way in several places where it's like we rejoice in our sufferings. We, and so, you know, on one hand, like, do we sit around and ask for, for hard circumstances? I don't know. Probably not. Like, yeah, I think that's and maybe thing, you, maybe, like maybe you got some thoughts there, well, but, we'll but just, in general, it's like. I, the, and again, it com- it comes from the hope of what's on the other side of this. That's the whole point. Like if I if I really want to one know Christ and two obtain the resurrection from the dead, which is our greatest need, like like actually get that. It only co- like it 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 implies it it necessitates that there's suffering and death first, and so it's it is it it just is this complete again like this complete reorientation of our mindset and the way that we think and see life and see value and and prosperity even like it it's only on the other side of these things because it is first and foremost obtaining Christ and 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 that's what yeah. he did like that's yeah. that's how it came well i i think it's it, so like looking for suffering i i think that you could go down a road that is sure not yeah healthy. yeah i think there's two and there's I, multiple I, yeah but you know you look at christ he came fully knowing that he was going to suffer even though he's in the garden he's praying father take this from me yeah if 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 it's your will but i want what your will is and i think that that needs to be our attitude as we i mean and honestly i think we're going to have suffering in this life i mean it's almost been, yeah. it's almost a promise yeah. it is a promise yeah. that, you know in this world you'll have much trouble uh that's the reality of this life in this sin cursed world yeah it's the kind it's the context into which we you know live we talk a lot about the context of the of the text um but the context just of the world uh is is that it's fallen and there's yeah. brokenness 
energy. But, yeah, no, but I, I think, too, the, the one important thing to think through is, is instead of insulating us from trouble, God allows us to go through trouble. And that, that's a huge mind shift it, it, as believers because a lot of times we want to insulate ourselves and the yeah. ones we love from trouble. In reality, God will allow us and, and help us through that. It's, it's through his strength that we can actually get through suffering. Well, it's also, it's also just simply letting the Bible define, define these things, define who God is, define your circumstances in life. I think there, I, I think we fall into, we kind of just read the room a little bit. What I mean by that is just like, we, we look around, we see the circumstances and then we make assessments about God and Christianity based on that. So um, you know, when, when life is good, God's good. And we thank God for being good. Mm-hmm. I don't hear a lot of people always thanking God uh, or, or praising him for being good when life isn't as good. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, that's much harder because we, again, on the other side of that is like, it, if, if, if I'm struggling, if this really hard thing is happening, well, where is God? Because we haven't, we, we don't have a good theology of suffering in this. We don't have a good understanding of it. Um, Luther's one of my favorite guys, old guys. I've heard. Yeah. <laughs> he talks about he talks about seeing seeing God um where he has manifestly revealed himself, which is on the cross. And that that is the lens that we see everything. It's not that we have to kind of look behind it or around the cross and try to figure out how he's working in it. He's there, he's going through it, and this is actually how he brings about the greatest good and that that would be the thing that informs all of this. But, but I think it's just, like you said, it's some of it's the context of just the world we live in. Some of it is our own sin and the way that we're wired towards, you know, self-righteousness, this idea of like, uh, good, uh, I don't know, good, good, um, good results are going to come if I'm, if I'm doing good things and that type of thing. Um, when it's it's not always that way, yeah. And you see, suffered um, the word, just the word suffering, just by way of like looking, making observations and words that are are uh, related and repeated. But you see, suffering down in verse ten, we may share in his sufferings. But you also see, uh, Paul says, uh, what verse is that? Uh, verse eight. Um, For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things. Um, is that Paul suffered loss? Uh, and counted them as rubbish for the sake of Christ. Like there was a, there was a, there was a pain. There was a loss. There was suffering in in choosing Christ. And this was kind of woven into the very, um, I don't know, the very nature of the of the deal is that it was gonna it was gonna cost Paul something. I I think that it's a it's not just. I think sometimes we can blow past this statement because I don't know. Sometimes in Christian. Bill, we have these weird little sayings that we say, but they when they're like, well, what does that actually mean? But Christianity, truly, like it's completely free, like yet it does cost you everything, and it's because Christ is infinitely more valuable um, than anything else that the world could possibly offer. And it's you know, if you picture something in your hand, it's like you have to let go of that thing in order to pick up. That which is that which is truly valu- valuable, um, but in but in the here and now, at times it does it does cost you deeply. It cost Paul uh, a lot of uh, 
relationships. It cost him a lot of prestige. It cost him a lot of status and reputation. Um, it invited a lot of slander and just straight up persecution and, and those, and those types of things. And he knew that, um, uh, when he set down his religious background in order to, uh, take up Christ. Um, but he did it because Christ is infinitely more, more, more valuable. Something you had said previously and kind of go back to it. Um, and it, it, it's, it goes right in line with what you were just saying. And it's interesting too, because as you were listing those things, I had just written down prestige reputation, the things that he had lost. Um, but something that you had said before was relational and it's, it's this walk, it's this daily, uh, moment to moment, um, walk that we are in with Christ, which takes us through all of these things, right? Uh, it's like you said, you're, you're going to lose some of the, you're going to lose, uh, or you're going to, yeah, you're going to lose, you're going to suffer the loss of worldly things, of things that the world values, of things that the culture values, whether that be prestige reputation. Um, but as you said, there's a higher value on who Christ is, that fellowship and what comes with that. And I think about even in our, in, even in our relationship as like humans, a lot of times, especially when we're kids, um, the people, well, fortunately or unfortunately, the other kids that we interact with, that we become friends with, a lot of times they influence us, right? And so we want to take on their characteristics and, and they don't, we don't think this when we're that age, but we're like, oh, this is my cool friend and this is what he's wearing. This is what I want to wear. This is whatever it may be. And in this walk with Christ, it, it, it's a terrible, I guess, um, illusion or whatever you want to call it. But, but ultimately that like we, 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 we do want that. We want to take on who he is in that fellowship with him and be so intimately related to him that we are so influenced in our lives that it just changes. And, uh, and I think, so when he goes on, like in verse nine, um, that he says, uh, well, going back to verse eight, he says, in order that I may gain Christ going off of that loss of all things, uh, statement in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which, meaning the righteousness, which comes through faith in Christ. And again, that righteousness is not going to be something that he can earn or that he has gathered from all of these things, all of that prestige, all that reputation, all of those fleshly things. It is from that walk with Christ and in that righteousness becoming one with him because of that relationship. And it seems like he continues to go on and kind of work through that. At least from my perspective, it seems that relational influence of being with him is what causes all of the things that he keeps saying. I may, I may, I may. Cause if you look, um, and just, just kind of a side note, as far as like the study, right. Cause it's part of yeah. what we're doing here. You will notice as you're going through this, this statement of, I may, I may, and, and he starts it in uh, verse eight, I may got, gain Christ. Um, you see it again. Uh, let's see in 10, I may know him. Um, and that piggybacks with the may share his sufferings in 11. I may attain the resurrection of the dead. So you'll see these common statements of all of these. I may, I may, I may, but none of that is possible outside of the relationship with Christ. Yeah. What is the, uh, I have a specific question here. Um, what is the connection between uh, the power of his resurrection and suffering? So theologically, Christ, you only have resurrection power. You, Mark, you've already said this. If you 
because of the cross if you if you die first. But Paul also is like pursuing this in his life. But I, I guess I just mean like like practically like like what does that mean? Like in verse ten when he says that I may know him and also and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his in his death. Um, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Like is he is he is he speaking here just of just of future glory? I mean, I think that that's obviously mm-hmm. part of it. But is or is there is there more there um, in terms of like just daily resurrection power in our yeah. lives as we? I would I would say I would say yes. <laughs> okay, next question. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think both. Like I think obviously, um, and some of that I don't know. It it may be just a kind of a theological conviction behind that with the with the kind of I don't know both and already not yet type thing I think I think on a ultimate level um Paul is and he's he's given these categories in the book of Philippians he's talked about um you know the Lord he this work that he started in you he will bring it to completion and that kind of frames this whole thing but at the same time he is telling us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Yeah. And so he's, he's given those categories and that's the way I think, I think a lot of times that's the way the babe, the Bible, um, frames or paints this picture of the Christian life. It's, it's yes right now, but we do it with an eye towards the end, understanding that the end, like we know what it is. It's not in question anymore if you're in Christ. And so, um, similar thing here, like you're, you have died with him. You will be raised again later in glory. But at the same time, we're living, we're already kind of living in that where we, the old self has died. The the new self has been born again. And, um, but, but we also like, we, we live, we live this life now. Like the old, we still have the old man. We're still being put to death in a way the Bible tells us to, to put him to death. The Bible will tell you to do that. And so it uses all that language, but all I have to say, I think it is, I think it is both. And this life is very much a, on one hand, it has been completed, but at the same time, we keep, we keep putting it to death. We keep being put to death. You know, the Lord disciplines us for that reason. And I think the concept back to back in two twelve. Um, the, that verse you just quoted, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only my presence, but now much more my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. I just do not think that that concept can be overstated, because if you don't have a grid for like the the how concise and accurately Paul holds together, and we talked about this several episodes ago about the importance of this verse, but holds together God's sovereignty and our responsibility. I, I don't think if you, if you don't have yeah. those things together well, I don't even know how you how you deal with this passage because on one hand he's like, I'm striving, like he's like, and he's going to go on and we didn't even get to the next couple of verses where he's like, you know, forgetting what lies behind and pressing on. He's like, yeah. he's striving, he's going after, yet right in the middle of it all, like, like in verse 9 he says, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith and faith yeah. is not of work. So it's, you know, like like we again, this is it's a very unique way of talking. Like yeah. I, I think only when you when you understand the Bible and you understand what Christianity and this relationship really is, will you ever talk this way? 
and we should and we should talk this way. And going back to my original point about just like, do we talk this way? Is my fear is that sometimes we don't get it yeah. because we don't talk this way. Yeah. Of, of like, no, 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 it's it, it's not me because I think there's if you don't understand it, you could read it like, well, so Paul, what you're just like, you traded in self righteousness as a Pharisee, and now you're just you're doing all this work and in order to attain the resurrection from the dead. I mean, Paul would say, no, 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 it, it's the righteousness from God based on faith. Yet because I've been given everything in Christ, my only response is, again, to go and sell all that I have that I might buy this field with this treasure in it because yeah. it's yeah. why would I hang on to anything else, you, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, when you got um, – what I thought of right away was when when, uh, when you posed that question earlier, was, was Christ saying, take up your cross daily and follow me? Mm-hmm. You know, the cross, a lot of times we, we you know, in our Western culture – Christianity culture with something we hang around our neck. It's something, but it, it actually was a tattoo. device or a tattoo. Yeah. A device that was used for capital punishment to have suffering, which led to death. <laughs> that right. That's yeah. what the cross is for. Yeah. So, so when, when, when Jesus says, take up your cross daily, it is a daily thing of dying to myself, actually having my flesh, in a lot of ways, suffering in my flesh. I, I, I have to deny my flesh. Um, you know, and there might be some very hard, um, complicated at time um, decisions that I'm going to have to make because I'm no longer in this world. I am, I am an alien. I am, uh, you know, like, like we were talking earlier, I'm opposed to this, this culture that's around me now. So therefore, I, I, a lot of what Paul was talking about, everything that I, I lost you know, um, was because I am no longer part of this world, and and there's going to be suffering in that. Well, and remember too, the, the again going back to the entire context of the letters. Remember how what some of the things Paul says in chapter one, where he's where, where he's like, let me tell you that what has happened to me has really served to advance the cause of Christ. Is that Paul, um, you know, perhaps could have been freed from prison, or perhaps could have avoided arrest, or avoided you know, the suffering that he was in, if he would have just remained silent, if he would have just not have identified so adamantly um, and so clearly with Christ. But he chose to identify in every way with Christ and with the message that he'd given him to proclaim, and that's what had landed him, you know, in the uh, in the suffering that he was currently is as he's writing this, and he, and he wasn't done. He was gonna. He was gonna press on and continue to go forward. And I think that's the thing. Going back to Mark, or what you were saying about like not, you hear people say like we should never. I, I agree. We shouldn't like pray for suffering. Or I, I always think about the verse. Is it First Timothy or Second Timothy where Paul says, you know, pray for kings and all who are in authority that we may live a peaceable, that we may live a peaceable and quiet life, mm-hmm. you know. And so it's like some because sometimes people are like we need to pray for persecution. I I don't agree with that. Yeah, no. I don't like. I don't think that's the the, yeah. the right intent, but. <laughs> In the con, like, but we do live in this fallen world, and if you want to follow Christ, all those who want to live a, live godly in Christ Jesus will face persecution. It is a promise. In this world, you will have trouble, but Christ has overcome the world, and so we need to arm ourselves with this mindset. But again, the Christian does it with both zeal and pressing on to be like Christ, but also understanding that there's always resurrection power on the other side of the, on the other side of death. Like I think about what the writer of Hebrews says that who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of God. And that's what we do. We fix our eyes on Jesus and uh, and go and go forward. So, any other any other thoughts? 
on this wall. There's a lot here. <laughs> there <laughs> in, is. Terms of, in terms of suffering, we kind of all we really did was get the get the lid off the can uh, of worms and, and and dump them out. But I just think on a like this is why it's important though to let the Bible um, let the Bible define you know our life and and describe it. Uh, I think I think we I think we get into trouble when we try to like we err we err on both sides all the time. And so even like you were saying earlier, this idea of you know God's God's sovereignty, our responsibility. We get into trouble when we try to just make those fit in our minds and same thing with this like what is the what is the reality of the christian life well on some level like we're not we can't we can't um we we can't harmonize them in the way that we always want to i think but the bible the bible gives us these categories it describes it describes our lives it describes the the real trials and sufferings that we go to uh, go through in this way. And so when we, when we get there, when we experience it, like we understand this is what's going on and we don't have to, we don't have to try to just figure it out on our own. You know what I mean? Or, or try to make sense of it in our own, in our own thinking and, and, uh, rationale. The Bible is, the Bible's describing this for us. And we've got to, at the end of the day, we've got to, we've got to be able to see that we've got to be able to see it on a natural level, but also a spiritual level. And at the end of the day, we've got to be able to just believe it and, and trust the Lord's sovereignty in it, that it's true. And this yeah, is where it's sure. headed. And I would, uh, I would just, uh, real simple way of application here as we wrap up, um, is just that I would encourage, uh, anyone who wants to, I suppose, uh, to just memorize these verses, take some time and memorize verses seven through 11 uh, meditate upon them again. We, I, or I mentioned at the beginning, you know, of just like talking this way and I'm not saying like memorize it just so that you can like go around quoting it being Mr. Bible quoter guy for the sake of superficial spirituality, but like of getting this way of thinking, uh, down in you because, uh, there's a lot of, a lot of richness here. We'll probably come back and touch on this some more, uh, in the next episode as we, as we kind of, uh, meander forward a little bit too, but, uh, we thank you for listening and, I uh, hope that this podcast has helped you uh, read the Bible, not just as information, but as food for your soul. Mm-hmm.